You can tell a lot about a tree by its fruit. For instance, you can tell whether a tree is in season or not by whether it has fruit or not. You can tell if a tree is diseased or not uh, by its fruit. And surprise, surprise, if a tree has apples, then it is a apple tree, right? Uh, Surprising, you can tell a tree by the type of fruit it has, right? If a tree has oranges, then it's a orange tree, right? Well, in 2015, a guy named Sam developed an invention called the Tree of 40 Fruits, okay? It was literally capable of producing 40 different varieties of fruit. So with these 40 different fruit, it produces all these uh, different types. Um, Can you still tell a tree by its fruit? Well, the reality and the truth is that even though this tree produced 40 different types of fruit and varieties of fruit, they were all the same type all different varieties of apples or all different varieties of oranges. One single tree can't produce two kinds of fruit. They can produce different varieties, but not two different kinds. So indeed, you can still recognize a tree by its fruit. And the same is true for us, as we're going to see today. Last week, we saw that Jesus is the greater one, and we must put our trust in him. Jesus also warned us to not only look at outward appearances, because when we try to only fix the outside without allowing God to transform the inside, it's useless. But as we're going to see today, when our inside, when our hearts are being transformed by God, then our outside fruit will show it. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Matthew, we're going to be in chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table in the hallway that you can borrow today, or if you don't own one that you can take home so that you can have a copy of God's word for yourself. If you're looking for the book of Matthew, it's on the right side of your Bible. We're going to be there in chapter 12 in just a moment. Um, It comes right before the book of Mark. Matthew chapter 12, and we are going to start there in verse 22. We'll also have it up here on the screen so you can follow along with us. Read with me, Matthew 12, 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Let's pause there for just a moment. So again, we see Jesus heal and cast out demons, and he heals this man who is blind and mute. Jesus completely heals him. And once again, we see two different responses to Jesus. First, we see a group of people who are completely astonished at Jesus, and they ask, could this be the Messiah? The son of David is an Old Testament reference to the Messiah, 
um, the promises of one who would come and sit on the throne of David forever. And so they are astonished and they say, could this Jesus really be the Messiah? Could he be the son of David? And then we see another response to Jesus, again from the Pharisees that we saw last week. Remember those group of Pharisees, they were a group of the religious, Jewish religious leaders who are now plotting to kill Jesus. They reject Jesus and they try to discredit him by saying, hey, it's not by the power of God that this man is casting out demons, but it's by the power of Beelzebul. And Beelzebul was a Canaanite god. And to the Jewish people at this time, it represented the prince of demons. And so the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of casting out these demons by the power of Satan and not by the power of God. And so Jesus addresses not only their accusations, but also the Pharisees' motivations in the next verse. Look at verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it's by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon us. Jesus is trying to show these Pharisees and the the crowds that their logic is flawed. He says, if it's the power of Satan that I am driving out demons, then Satan would be fighting against himself and a kingdom divided against itself will fail every time. But if it's by the power of God, Jesus says, that he cast out these demons, then it was a sign to the people that the kingdom of heaven had come. And indeed, it had. Jesus is the greater one, the Messiah. And he is establishing the kingdom of heaven. He is casting out demons. He is healing the sick. He is raising the dead by the power of God. And all of these are signs of him establishing the kingdom of heaven. And ultimately, his own resurrection from the dead would prove that he is the Messiah and that his kingdom is come. Then Jesus continues not only to correct the accusations of the Pharisees, but he actually begins to tell the Pharisees to watch what they say. Because when they are speaking against the things that he is doing, they are really blaspheming the Holy Spirit as we're going to say. And they are slandering the Holy Spirit by their accusations. Look at verse 30. Jesus continues and says, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. You see, it's by the power of God 
by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is casting out demons, that Jesus is healing the sick, that Jesus is raising the dead. And so Jesus warns the Pharisees to watch what they say because their words are really getting ready to condemn them because their words are truly revealing what their hearts are, that their hearts are evil and their hearts are dead and that their hearts are not being transformed by God. They were so concerned with the outward appearances, but on the inside, they were full of dead bones. And the truth is, friends, when our hearts are being transformed by God, then our outside actions and words and thoughts will show it. Our outward fruit will follow our inward root. Our outward fruit will follow our inward roots. I shared last week this quote from Doug Burrier, but I believe it uh, needs to be repeated again because it applies to the same things that we're looking at. He said, who we are in this world becomes transformed to look more and more like who we already are inside. When people follow God, they become something new. Listen to how Jesus puts it in verse 33. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let me say that again. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus says, a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. You can tell a tree by its fruit. We can determine the condition of our hearts by examining our fruit, by examining our words and our actions and our thoughts. James asks, can, a, can from the same spring come fresh water and salt? No, they don't mix. Can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine figs? No, our, our, our roots determine our fruits. So friends, let me ask you this morning, what do your fruits tell you about your roots? What do your fruits tell you about the condition of your heart? Paul, he gives us some markers, some indicators, some things that we can look at towards our fruit to determine the condition of our hearts. 
He calls them acts of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. So let's look at these lists here and let's first look at the acts of the flesh, the fruit that is produced when we are following after sin. Paul says in verse 19 of Galatians 5, the acts of the the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, what does your fruit tell you about your roots? If your hearts are dead, if you are still living for sin, then your fruit will show it. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery. This is any sexual activity outside of marriage between one man and one woman. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, and on and on. Now, Paul isn't giving us an exhaustive list here of all of the fruit of sin. (laughs) But I believe that we begin to see and recognize what this is. This is what acts of the flesh look like. Paul tells the Ephesians, and so were some of you. You were dead in your transgressions. We were dead in our sins. And it showed in the fruit that we produced in our lives. But, I love that word in scripture. But, look at the next verse in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is forbearance or patience, is kindness, is goodness, is faithfulness, is gentleness, is self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit that the Spirit produces in us when we belong to Jesus, having crucified the flesh and its desires, looks completely different than the fruit that is produced by sin. It looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Friends, when God has trans- is transforming our hearts, these are the things that will mark our lives. This is what will be seen in how we talk and the things we do and the things that we think about. This will define our life. Friends, I want to challenge you this morning to look at these two lists in Galatians 5. The acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Which of these lists best describes your fruit? Which of these lists best describes the things that you do and think and say in your life? What does your fruit tell you about your root? 
Friends, if the acts of the flesh describe your fruit, I want you to know this morning that there's a but. That there's hope. Because Jesus can make you into a good tree. But it starts with Jesus transforming your heart. It starts with Jesus transforming your roots. First and foremost, this is only because of the grace of God that we, that you and I can be transformed. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter two, verse four, this, he says, but there it is again, <laughs> but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Friends, it is by God's grace alone that we can be saved. It is by God's grace alone that our roots can be transformed. It is by God's grace alone that you and I can go from dead producing the fruit of death and sin to being made alive in Jesus Christ because God loves you. Because God is rich in mercy, you can be saved by God's grace. The old acrostic for for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Or maybe you remember the words of the hymn, grace, grace, God's grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin. Paul continues in verse eight and says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no man can boast. Friends, it is by God's grace through faith, not of yourselves, not by the work that you have done, but by the work that Jesus has done for you, that you can have your roots transformed. Here at Journey Church, we say that we want to live lives that are pleasing to God. And what that means is, That means that we are trusting, that we are putting our faith in Jesus, that he is all that we need. And we are being transformed by who he is and what he has done. Friends, today, even if you are living for sin right now, you can be saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus when you meet him in baptism. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3, 21, he says, after this, water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. But there's not anything special about the water. It's not because you're getting a bath. He says, it's not the removal of dirt from the body, but it's a pledge of a clear conscience towards God. And look, look what actually is the power that saves us, not us doing work. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has done the work 
for us. It is by God's grace through faith at baptism that we are saved. By the resurrection of Jesus, you can be saved. Jesus will uproot the old you and make you new. So friends, will you come today and allow your roots to be uprooted so that your lives can produce good fruit. Friends, when we are made new by Jesus, the Holy Spirit then begins to produce in us good, new fruit that looks much different than the old fruit that we used to live for and produce. Fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So friends, when you look at the fruit of your life, when you look at the things that you do and that you say and the way that you think, what does your fruit show you about your roots? And do you need to have your roots transformed by Jesus today? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have hope, not because of ourselves, not because of anything that we can do, because we, we are filthy rags. And even the things that we think that we do that are righteous do not compare because we all have sin and fall short. And that sin pays out death. And it produces fruits of death in our life. It produces the acts of the flesh. But Father, we thank you that there is hope. Because even though we are those bad trees that Jesus referred to, Father, we thank you that you make us new through your grace, through your mercy, and through the power of your son's resurrection. Father, if there are those who are far from you today, would you call them to yourself? Would you lead them to you today so that they can be uprooted and made new through your son, Jesus? Father, for those of us who have, would you help us to day by day, moment by moment, to trust in your son, Jesus, and that he is all that we need. Would you help us to not stand in the way of our hearts being transformed by you, by the power of your Holy Spirit working and living in us? Father, may our lives produce and reflect on the outside who you have transformed us to be on the inside. May we show with our words and our actions that we follow your son, Jesus, and that he has changed us for all eternity. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We ask all of this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.